0: We just hit 10,000 total downloads. So to celebrate, we are re-airing some of our favorite interviews this week. Each one was picked to highlight a different topic that we like to talk about here on Tech Gumbo. If you're new to our show, we hope this is a good way for you to get introduced to who we are and what we like to talk about. Today's episode, we had a panel discussion with Don
1: Monaster, Kenny Wynn, Jason Omni, and Alexander Adams, all cybersecurity experts, and we did a real deep dive into AI,
0: LLMs, and machine learning. For those of you who need the brief reminder, LLMs are large language models, and that's something like ChatGPT. They talked about how these topics are changing our culture and how they're changing the way that we work. So enjoy today's episode. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net.
1: And Don, we've got somebody else who's joined us. Yes, wanted to
2: introduce Alexander Adams, CEO and co-founder of Vigilus. Lex, thank you for being with us. We're going to talk a little bit about cybersecurity. Charles Glass, Mm -hmm. probably, I mean, this dude is fantastic. He is. But is under the weather. We had he is unfortunately. And so we had to get the CEO to come in here and take the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you,
3: Don. Good morning, everyone.
2: So tell us a little bit about yourself, Lex. Sure. So I have a company here in Baton
3: Rouge called Vigilus. We specialize in all sorts of technology consulting services, mostly software engineering and cybersecurity. So that's going to be in the cybersecurity realm your penetration testing, vulnerability assessments, custom phishing campaigns, that sort of thing.
2: And before, before people ask, I was talking to Haggai about getting this group together, and um, there's some overlap in our businesses, right? That Absolutely. There are places where we compete with one another, and guys, first of all, there's a ton of business out there for all of us, right? So yep. we know... That it, it doesn't matter that that's the case because we've got some really intelligent people, much more intelligent than I. So thank you guys for being here. I think this has been a fantastic conversation and I can't wait to continue it.
4: No, I agree. I think there's a lot of pie, which is the same reason I think I can be optimistic about AI. Because there you I go. think there's a lot of pie there.
2: Yeah. So we talked a little bit about how AI is really starting to be a conversation about cybersecurity, right? Because at the end of the day, AI, you know, is used you know by by technical professionals like us to help keep perimeters safe you know making sure that that data is safe but now we're seeing you know just today we talked about it here where people are using AI to to thwart those you know firewalls the things that we use for protection against you know attacks etc Lex what have you seen and does this make you nervous just from a standpoint of wow, all of a sudden the attack vectors are suddenly going to increase probably by tenfold.
3: Yeah, so as it relates to AI with cybersecurity, I think the biggest concern is probably going to be with our large language models that are really taking uh, a lot of foothold. So I think we were talking about BART earlier, for instance. These language models, especially with uh, adequate training, where they're taking data and making it behave a certain kind of way, they're capable, and, I, and I'm, by large language models, I'm talking about your chat GPT, your BARD, etc. These m- models are capable of pretending to be a human, and you, you've all interacted with them. It's very difficult to tell the difference between human writing and the writing from one of these machines. So in cybersecurity, there's a, there's a thing called social engineering, mm-hmm. where you are attempting to convince or trick someone of something in order to gain access to a system that you wouldn't have otherwise had access to. So with a large language model, you could do an in mass type of attack against an organization with customized information based on how the model was instructed to behave. And I think that's one such area where we really need to see some additional safeguards with cybersecurity.
5: Is this where like a bunch of my employees would say, get an email posing as me yes. saying, please give me the information here? I need access for a client,
3: right? So, like a really common one would be phishing, what yeah. you just described. So, you are simulating kind of a an attack where someone is coming through, pretending to be a an appeal to authority, an authority figure within your organization. So, they are emailing your people, and with information from that organization that the model has been trained on, it's it can come through and try to exploit and get access. To the systems that it wouldn't have otherwise had access to, so that, that that's one such huge concern. But now you're also seeing in AI really good text to speech models. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these are models that are capable of emulating human speech very effectively. When you combine that with something that generates text very effectively, you can now do a robocalling campaign. Yes, where you're trying to target. Maybe you have a list of ten thousand organizations. And it can not only take using speech to text what the person on the other line is saying, but generate with text to speech a response to keep things going with a certain end goal, by the way.
4: And I think this comes back to getting involved, bumping around, getting used to feel to 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 uh, experiencing what these interactions feel like so that you can better identify them if it does happen. I mean, like. There are all these things that are these these little tiny things that the AI doesn't quite get right because it's not really a person. It's not sentient. Right. It is just an algorithm. Under you know, the, all the most, most powerful the most powerful most algorithm. I mean, you know, to some <laughs> degree. And and but like, but at the end of the day, this I again, I'm a massive optimism uh, optimist of human potential, and that's why I think that like if we kind of go about it right, I I think we can just get just as good and be able to like say, hey, help me identify. And we can use the AI to identify it too. If it feels fishy, I'm like, hey, other AI,
2: help me figure this out. Uh, Yeah, and and that's kind of like the, you know, the radar and the radar detector, right? I think the the technologies will continue to try to to compete and keep up with one another. The one thing that I like to tell our customers because it, it helps me sleep at night is that we typically log into our computer and we feel inherently safe. And I would argue that we should feel inherently unsafe because I'm not the optimist when it comes to cybersecurity. Because I, I, I often believe that, you know, if you're going to drive through a bad neighborhood, you, you tend to roll the windows up and lock the doors, right? I'd say the Internet's a bad neighborhood in many cases.
1: Well, most people don't understand as soon as you take any device and connect it to the Internet, even if it's a wireless you know, smartphone, if you've got your computer and it's plugged into the Internet, you're now facing the internet and you're out there exposed in the wild to all of the ills that, that mankind is trying to create on the internet. And so you've got to take steps like cybersecurity experts that are here with us to protect yourself, to pre- protect your computer, your your employees, your business, your data, because data is king nowadays. Let me ask you guys something. Let's say you get a phone call and the person on the other
3: end says, hello actually, this this kind of reminds me several years ago, Google was demoing this thing where they would call and schedule appointments for you. I don't know if you recall this. yeah yeah, yeah. so they would they would call in and they'd be like, hey, I'd like to schedule you know a hair appointment for a client. something like this. Mm-hmm. So this is technology that's been around for a while. Let me ask you guys this. you get a phone call. How do you determine if it's AI or not right now? right? That's really challenging because you might say, well, there's something off about AI. AI is weird. Humans are weird too. <laughs> Humans do weird stuff all the time. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
3: So so what what exactly should people look for? I think that question may not be answerable to be honest with you today. Yeah. Now, that said, there might be certain back end things behind the scenes that are that are helping to screen these calls, but there's the patterns that you might think to look for. Maybe they say additionally at the end of too many sentences or they're wrapping things up or they're speaking for too long without pausing. It's just a tough one, guys. Yeah. This maybe. is
5: where I wish there was like a universal code where you can ask someone if you're an AI or something like that, and they're forced <laughs> to say yes or something. Yeah. And are you the like, police? Like, yeah. Are you a cop? Yeah. Are you a, <laughs> a cop? <laughs> a narc?
1: <laughs> to get back to the the Asimov's rules of robotics, you know, when robots can do no harm, the robot has to do everything that a human tells it. Yeah. You now put in another one; it you have to identify yourself as a robot.
3: That's right. So th- there there have been a ton of fake Amazon reviews because this is something that AI is great at large language models generating these fake Amazon reviews they were able to find a lot of them because they would have the text as an AI language model in the actual review which is hilarious i mean we're we're talking yeah no no i mean i
4: it's it's kind of funny uh, we're dealing with a lot of this at work uh, we do a lot of outbound IVR inbound IVR and so we're dealing with what they call A to P 10 DLC w- what that means is application to person meaning a computer's calling you and so you have to go through registering these campaigns with your phone numbers to make sure you can do that to do that and so it, you know that's the other reasons I'm able to kind of still be that optimist is because I do see the other side of things that are also in play that are kind of leading us towards being prepared for this but like we were talking about all day the speed of this is insane yeah. and so the speed of regulation and government is not insane and so we we we're going to find ourselves having to kind of play catch up. But again, that's why we all just need to be involved.
2: Yeah. And and look, if if you guys are interested in this topic, I would definitely suggest reading a book called Scary Smart by Mo Godad. I'm probably messing up his name. He wrote that book about a year ago, and and it's pretty impressive how much he got right about these LLMs because he was involved in it. He you know, he's and I want to say was employed with Google for for some time. But he, he, could, he simplified this whole concept of, of how the people who want to use it for bad are going to use it for bad, right? And the people who want to use it for good are going to use it for good. And so it's, it's really almost like we all feel like kind of kicking and screaming. There has to be some regulations, some guardrails that we can put around it so that, Lex, I don't know about you, but as the CEO of an IT company who makes a living on making sure that people's data is safe, it makes me nervous. I mean, it really does make Extremely. me nervous. Extremely. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Google get rid of the do no harm? Like they, they got, they got Years ago. Yes.
5: So does that mean now that we're in this phase of life and like that, this is scary? It's like I would do want, harm. Do yeah. We <laughs> definitely can do harm, but we choose not to kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like now when you're hiring folks, you got to make sure these people
4: are like good people. Then right? Have, y- have y'all talked to your employees and said, hey? be aware of what you feed into this because yes. don't feed privileged information into this like don't put anything out there that you shouldn't think like and now this is this isn't that groundbreaking of information you could say the same thing about social media don't go posting our data all over right. social media right. and so but but the bigger part here is that you can feel the value so quickly with yeah. this that it becomes increasingly that's tempting to be like, "Ooh, let me put this thing yeah. in there to get it solved." But that—that's a very real part too in the
2: security. Well, part. And, and I think I think that's why we're going to start having more and more conversations about companies investing in their own LLM and maybe even looking at private networking and public cloud maybe not being quite as popular for that particular use
4: case. I think we're all going to have local LLMs running on our phone, and we're going to have effectively communication between all of these systems so that you can keep your private things private, but you can still kind of communicate the intent of what you're trying to do. Right.
3: We're we're practically almost there. So there are models that exist right now. Facebook just released one that are within 95% as accurate as chat GPT 3.5 and these are things that can be run on your computer or on your
1: phone. Mm-hmm. And when Windows 12 comes out with it, with it all baked into it, you're you're gonna be using it and may not even realize
3: it. Right, right, and, and that's a, always a privacy concern as well. But like you had mentioned, employees are inputting data that could potentially get sent back to someone that shouldn't have access to that data. Right. Shouldn't have the privilege.
1: So we asked a, a couple of questions our Facebook listeners, if anybody had any questions for the panel, uh, Byron had asked, or he said he found that he went to Bing and asked it, can he enroll in, in for free information about AI, and it came up with a Coursera course, and so it gave him a few prompts to learn AI using a free course from Coursera, and so that's how easy it is to get into this. I mean, we did it earlier, for those of you who weren't here with us about an hour ago, we gave the... Uh, a smartphone to Alondra and had her jump into a a large language model, just had to start asking questions. Somebody who, before she had done that, had professed, I I know nothing about this, and went deep into the rabbit hole and was having fun with it, using it the way we need to all start learning how to use large language models.
4: I I have an interesting story. So, you know, uh, I guess the teenage generation, they're probably cloud native. Like, wouldn't you call them cloud yeah, native? Like, a, like yeah, they, yeah. They, they're out there. Everything is on the cloud. It's instant. Yeah. They're putting it out there. And so when all this was happening, I was like, are our kids going to be AI native? And so like, and what does that even mean? And so I have a, a six-year-old. And one of the things that really got me was she's learning to read. And I had started bouncing around with the AI stuff. And I was like, man, I wonder what we can do with this. And so I I spun it up. I said, Hey, you're gonna talk to my daughter. She's a six-year-old. Here's a book she read give her three sentences, and then give her three directions to go. And she would read it word by word. And then she came across some hard words. And so I told it instantly because I was like, I can tell it to do anything. Right. And I said, hey, words like jealousy are hard for her. Use, use simpler ones. It did it. A minute later, it had some words. And I was like, okay, I said, let me think about this. I said, hey, rewrite this, but put the phonetic pronunciation next to the hard words. I didn't tell it which hard words. It picked a couple. Oh One God. was siblings. And I told her, I said, hey, this is the word, and this is how it sounds. We go through it. She gets to the next one. I said, hey, that's that hard word. She looks at me. She goes, it didn't put the thing next to it. And I said, you didn't know phonetic pronunciation existed 30 <laughs> seconds ago. Now you're mad that it's dude. stopping you from learning faster. That's, that's amazing, when I was hooked. Dude. And she's six years old. Yes. And so AI Native kids are going to be, it's going to be yeah. insane.
3: Yeah, it's all about the customized education. That's that's really going to be the impact. Khan Academy effect. with Khan Like exactly. I, I saw,
5: like, the crazy stuff with it where, like, a child was asking a question about, I believe it was the Great Gatsby, and they were talking about it, and all of a sudden goes, like, why don't you ask Jay Gatsby himself? And the AI would pose as Jay Gatsby.
1: And we've been doing a rolling conversation. I hope you have really enjoyed it as much as I've been enjoying it. The whole idea of cybersecurity, of artificial intelligence, machine language learning, and, and the chat GPTs and the bards and all those kinds of things, and how this is going to impact your life How it's going to impact the way you work and how it's really going to, it has already begun to change everything. So,
2: Justin, I was, man, first of all, thank you for the story. I was telling you guys about my my grandbabies at my place today. Presley Garrison, hello, good morning. Hope you're having your breakfast. Is your daughter now asking you, hey, can we go yeah, talk she, to the AI now? The
4: th- she says the thing, can we go do the computer thing? And she says, can we go, because it's a game in her mind. And like the the day, the day before that happened, I, you know, I had been driving home. I pick her up a couple of days and I, she said, you know, I said, what'd you do? She said nothing. And then she said, oh, we read this book. And that day is when I asked her, I said, hey, give me three things to talk about my little girl, but keep it for a six-year-old. And we had a 30-minute conversation. And that's what led to the next day happening comes back to that communication barrier, man. That's, that's what's really happening is we're breaking those communication barriers through this
1: technology. Okay, so let's kind of look over the horizon kind of thing. So the ChatGPT's been out for six, seven months now. What does things look like one year and five years from now? You know, it's interesting that you brought up that you asked those, how do I, what are, what are the, some conversation
3: topics for me to talk about with my little girl? I've always been curious. With the release of large language models, will this have an impact permanently on the way that we communicate? You know, the the ease in which it is for us to generate ideas. Are we not working that mind muscle anymore? The muscle that's responsible for genesis, creativity.
5: I mean, are we also going to be addicted to our phones and our computers? Like that's another thing I think about with this. Is like the more addicted we get to this as an enablement technology platform, the more we're going to be on our phones, the computers. It's also like I also want to be on it less. And so I fight with that in- instinctively is like, you know, I want to push this technology, but also I need my downtime mm-hmm. as well to right. think and be creative. Yeah. 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 yeah.
4: I agree with a lot of that because <laughs> it is very easy to fall down the rabbit hole and go too far. But kind of to that to that question of what does it look like, you know, one, two, three years, who knows? I was talking to Don the other day, and I, and I told him, I said, okay, here, picture this. You know, you are in your office and you're like, it's Tuesday, and what's going on? You're like, well, I have a meeting in 15 minutes with the prompt engineer, and they're going to come here. I'm going to talk through the big project that I have that's a one-month-long project, and we're going to queue up a system that will help me iterate faster. And that's we're basically going to build this tool for what we're about to do, and the, the thing is, instead of now we spend these millions of dollars and build this tool, in one month I'm going to throw the tool away because the next project yeah. I'm going to pull them in. I'm going to say, hey, build me this specific tool again. And, again, it's, it's not about the tool being perfect. It's about it making me be able to press fast forward on my goals because the cost to getting that technology is being lowered. And so I think it's going to permeate way deeper than that. I don't think you're going to reply to emails anymore. I think you're going to answer questions and the emails are going to be drafted for you. And you're not even going to realize you're replying to emails. You're going to say, "Hey, what do I need to solve today?" And it's going to be like, "Oh, you need to solve these questions." I'm super optimistic. I think shout out to Iron Man. I think Jarvis is coming. I really do. You know what's scary? I feel like that could happen in the next three or four
5: months. That's how fast things are coming. Facts. Yeah, Yeah. where it's like year to five years. I can't even imagine because the rate of technology progress right now is insane. Like, I feel like with Google right now, with the Google, like how Google Suite's working, is that it can now transcribe. We already have stuff that can transcribe your meeting, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Like Whisper, Otter, Gong. Like now this all integrated into the suite that we use every day. Average human person is going to, imagine how hard hard it's going to be to avoid AI. Well, and
2: and guys, I was just talking to somebody who is converting all of their cryptocurrency mining (laughs) GPU over to LLM. (laughs) And so it's like, think about that. Like something that, that people were getting into and investing billions with a B of dollars to go mine crypto is suddenly shutting those machines off. And because they can't, they can't keep up. There's not as much to, to make. Now they're turning those machines back on because there's a whole nother technology to slap on it. You obviously there's going to be investment that will continue to push this technology so that it does get better and better and better so that we can utilize it.
4: And, and I think this circles right back to the topics earlier about fear of your job. But I think, you, you want an expert in the loop and the, you want an expert in every field. Like when you're pulling this data out for to do mechanical work, you want an expert mechanic saying, that's right, that's right, that's right. You need to check that again. No matter you want, you know, you want an expert legal saying, that's right, that's right, that's right. You need to check that again. So, I'm not as fearful about the job. I just think that, you know, that specialization is going to hone in. Mm. Your, your LLMs are going to be specialized, and it's going to take those people in every single field that's there using this tool as a assistant, a co-pilot, whatever, really kind of helping you progress further. And I think with that specialization, it's also going to allow more people to be more nichely specialized because you don't necessarily have to be as broad as we do today because you're going to have a lot more players to communicate with.
5: I mean, I think, like, right now, like, the big question I have in my mind is that, you know, what does it take to get the average person to use it for the first time? Like, Londra here just used it for the first time. There's one thing for it to happen to you versus happen for you. Yes. And I think, like, the happen to you thing is where a lot of this, like, panic is coming from, right? How do we help it happen for the person then?
2: So my dad used to do some drafting, right? And he did it with a slide rule and a protractor. And, and of course, CAD came and replaced all of that. But my dad did not end up homeless, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, I mean, guys, AI is going to solve homeless, right? It's not going to create it. And so I, I think it's all up to us.
4: AI how do i build housing for $5000 how do i build it for $1000 right how do i plan to be able to do that in 2 years
2: right and that's that's what i that's what i'm optimistic about but i still have that fear i guess because you know i'm the ceo of an it company that's trying to protect everybody's data like we you know we talk about this it's it's hard to not be concerned about what the nefarious use of ai can can end up being and and i think we'll have to deal with both of those things you know the term pandora's box yes. keeps getting brought up again and again yes yeah
3: just because it can be used for good doesn't mean that people won't use it for evil yeah and of course everyone talks all the time about guardrails and we there are different ways we can try to steer it or protect people from the maliciousness that can come about from ai but at the end of the day i think a lot of this has to come from regulation and not necessarily the models themselves. Mm-hmm. Because of the nature of these models, a lot of these models aren't controllable by a single entity, like a company or some right. organization. Mm-hmm. It's, it's available to anyone. These, this, is, this is code on the internet, ones and zeros, that anyone can take and modify. Yeah.
1: So to that point, when you see the European Union, which is way ahead of the United States on, on data privacy rights and those types of things. They are coming out right now. I think there's a lawsuit that's being filed or, the, or, or they're at least calling Google and, and Microsoft into into meetings to say, hey, look, your, your chat GPT, your large language models are breaking some of our data privacy laws and we need you to stop or we need you to control or put in the guardrails, if you will, and... That's going to be a very fascinating thing when you have a government entity like the EU on one side of the Atlantic, and then you've got the United States sitting here with their head in the sand, not paying attention. How do you think that's going to play out? Countries have a tremendous amount of
3: power here. So it was maybe five months ago, I want to say four months ago, that Italy actually banned ChatGPT. So if you were Italian and you were on an Italian ISP, internet service provider, and you tried to access ChatGPT, you would be blocked from from doing so. And as a result, ChatGPT actually had to make privacy protection modifications to its platform so that messages that were sent could no longer be stored inside of uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI's servers. So yes, I, I think that countries have a responsibility here to help with the regulation aspect and ensure that the privacy is kept with these companies because right now it's a free product and you've probably heard this before, it's like when something's free you are the product. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's absolutely the case here with ChatGPT, they, are, they, ca- they have called it a beta, this is something that they are hoping to build the model off of based on our input. So countries are trying to curb this and there just has to be a happy medium where people are paying for and receiving this service while still getting equivalent value, you know? Like, they they need to... If it's going to be free, it has to be something where privacy is protected and it's still able to be commercially viable for open
2: AI to develop. And that's really the challenge for them. Well, and and Elon Musk has been collecting geographic and spatial (laughs) data for years posed as a car company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because let's face it, he's not making any money on cars. He's going to be making money on data. and And... You know, once he gets to autonomous vehicles, it. I mean, you want to talk about monetization quickly? My goodness,
5: even housing, like with freaking Solar City. Yeah, yeah. Like he has that data as well. Yeah.
2: Every car that's being driven, that's a Tesla, is collecting data and sending it back to the mothership. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and he and yeah, more power to him. I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I I
4: think that data privacy is that big piece. And that's potentially one of the places that the regulation might it's like, can you verify as a company that you have the privacy policies in place to create the model that you were created? And I think that we do absolutely see that here when we see the writer's strike that we were talking about. That's about intellectual property, privacy and, and security and all that stuff. And so maybe it's not necessarily you got my data. It's like, hey, you're using my IP info and you're extrapolating that way and i think we will continue to like it's certainly going to be a very big conversation going forward no matter what
2: well and i think the the reason why the conversation is so at a you know a heightened sense is because you know amazon's been doing this forever right you know tesla's been doing this forever uh, these these companies have been collecting this data for a long time now suddenly we can come take this facebook quiz
1: yeah exactly okay everybody this is the final segment. We're going to wrap up here. Hope you all have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Guys, want to thank you all very much. Go ahead, Justin. Tell us a little bit, you know, what's going on, who you are, and how you can help us. Justin Ovni. I'm the
4: CTO of Paystar and co-founder of Elevator 3. At Paystar, we simplify payments for municipalities, governments, businesses, etc., and an Elevator 3, I have some wonderful partners that help me there and uh, help me start the company. And we do consulting software, mobile apps, and et cetera in the the tech space.
3: Yeah, so I'm Alexander Adams. I go by Lex. I'm the CEO of Vigilus, and I help people solve their technology problems a lot like uh, with Elevator 3. We do bespoke custom software development and cybersecurity. We actually have an exclusive offer you wouldn't want to miss. For the first time ever, we're offering a free cybersecurity <laughs> consultation to anyone who contacts us before noon today. You can reach us in two ways. You can give us a call at 225 725 Ahoy, which is 2469, or submit a request through a contact form at vigilist.com. By the way, this was written by ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Ah, nice. So I'm Kenning Wynn. I'm the CEO of
5: 368. We're a strategic, creative, and technology partner for companies like Tony Robbins, Chase Bank. You know, we typically solve problems like our customer experience isn't working online. Help us fix it. Or our brand purpose or our brand, it doesn't match who we are today. But really, I'm going to put on the hat of Assembly Required. The conference that we put on is all about connecting folks that normally don't get together together because that's where I believe innovation happens. So I want to ask everyone here, if you're free on September 21st, go to AssemblyRequiredLA.com, and we would love to see you there because the next topic is how to build an common brand.
4: Fun fact, Kenny was the first person I texted right after I started getting this. I said, Hey, we need to meet. (laughs) Yeah, And we met that week. Oh, we did. Yeah. Creativity. I thought of you.
2: (laughs) Gentlemen. First of all, thank you. Really appreciate y'all being here. My name is Don Monaster. I'm the CEO of General Informatics. Contact us 888-349-8766, Complex IT
1: Simple. And I'm Haggai Davis, also with General Informatics, but also the host of Tech Gumbo and really wanna thank you all for listening. We wanna thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question,
0: visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 273 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast, available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.